10-3 is brought to you by Odyssey Golf. I gotta say, this is a stroke of genius. The new Stroke Lab putters from Odyssey are engineered to build a better stroke. Odyssey completely rebalanced the putter by using a multi-material shaft that moved weight towards the head and the grip. You'll feel the difference immediately. And with every putt, you'll actually be building a better stroke. And a better stroke is what makes more putts. The new Stroke Lab from Odyssey, the number one putter in golf. Learn more at odysseygolf.com. Should estheticians who offer services to women be allowed to refuse service to transgender women who have not yet gone through with reassignment surgery? That's a question before the BC Human Rights Tribunal and one which has sparked controversy across the country. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. We look at how this case got started, why it is such a hot button issue and what the ramifications are. Don't forget the ramification of you not subscribing to this podcast is you miss out on the best stories in Canada. So hit us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Jessica Yaniv is a Vancouver-based IT business consultant uh, who, until recently, was Jonathan Yaniv. And under that name, which uh, she has since changed. She has brought more than a dozen, 14, I believe, complaints to the British Columbia Human Rights Tribunal against estheticians and waxing salons uh, around the Vancouver area, all of whom who refused to provide her with genital waxing. Joseph Breen is a news reporter for the National Post who has extensively covered the human rights tribunal system in Canada. These are businesses that primarily service women, and Jessica Yeniv is on wait lists for genital surgery, but currently has what we would all recognize as male genitalia. And she has been on something of a campaign to expose what she describes as this discrimination against trans women uh, in the beauty industry, and has for many months now been calling up salons to make appointments. And when they refuse, uh, her voice is very masculine, identifiably so. At at times, she would uh, identify herself not as Jessica, but as Jonathan. When they would refuse, she would file a complaint. And that was scandalous in sort of niche corners of the internet for many months. Many people knew about her in the worlds of... uh, uh, trans rights activism and those who are concerned about the progress of that activism. But no one really knew who Jessica was until a few weeks ago when her own very loud, very aggressive online behavior, often on Twitter and Facebook, uh, led a tribunal member at the BC Human Rights Tribunal, led them to lift a publication ban on her name. This caused a lot of uproar at the thought that human rights anti-discrimination law might somehow force women who work in salons to touch a penis and a scrotum uh, against their will in order to provide a service that is uh, that is otherwise available to the public. And that case has not been decided, and that's where we are. So Yanov has been calling these estheticians, and many of whom are uh, from 
immigrant communities and has been inquiring whether they would offer Brazilian waxing services. And when they say no, she says, okay, well, we'll see you in court. That is that is very close to exactly what, what is happening. All of these complaints are for all intents and purposes, identical, phrased in the same way, written in the same way. It's very easy to file a human rights complaint. In most provinces, it's just a written form, write in what happened, and uh, that starts the process. You're right. Jessica Yeniv does have a focus on the ethnic background of uh, the targets of her complaints. Most are South Asian. Many are observant Sikh women, and they work in uh, sometimes in their own homes. And in addition to describing the fact of their, their discrimination against her, Yeniv has focused on the on more broader accusations of cultural conservatism and uh, intolerance among Asian people for uh, transgender people, uh, even to the point of criticizing their legal representatives who have uh, Asian names. Um, that's that's earned her some scolding from the tribunal member because that's uh, quite obviously beside the point. Is it a case of Yanov actually looking for waxing services, or is it a case of Yanov inquiring about waxes in order to file complaints about people she likely knows will refuse? So what you're describing is entrapment, and it looks a lot like entrapment. I've heard recordings that she has made and shared with me of these phone calls, and it's very clear that she withholds details until the end of the phone call. Uh, I noticed two main reactions. Uh, I, I've heard several of these calls. One of them is polite confusion. And then when eventually they figure out that, oh, it's a it's a trans woman asking for this service, uh, they politely say no, it's a foreign concept to, to them. Yanov says, I'll see you in court. The other is typically when the call gets passed to a manager who's having none of it. And uh, the, those calls are much more gruff. Uh, they, uh, the manager, I've heard, you know, people telling her to F off and not call anymore. Why are you calling? Uh, all of which speaks to a very determined effort at laying the groundwork for these complaints. There's also a third possibility uh, of enjoying the process. In addition to these human rights complaints, for example, she has been the primary reason that 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 some people have been kicked off Twitter because of misgendering her, call, calling her a man, mm -hmm. uh, which is a rule for Twitter. He, she is a person who understands how to pursue redress through uh, legal and sort of formal complaint means uh, and is willing uh, able and unusually keen to do so to the point that you can almost imagine it is a, a goal or a pleasure in, in itself. So have all the complaints that Yaniv has filed, have all of them led to hearings or tribunals or have some of them been settled? Have some of them been tossed? What kind of, where are we at with that process? It's easy to have a bit of sympathy for for the human rights tribunal. I know they get a lot of flack when when seemingly frivolous or vexatious cases come up, but 
they have made a clear effort to deal with this complaint on the merits, uh, not often with the the cooperation of Jessica Yenev. Hmm. For example, there were 14 or more complaints filed, all of them identical, the exact same complaint of discrimination. And the tribunal wants to to decide this case on the legal merits and 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 what would apply to one would apply to all and has made efforts to combine these into a few representative test cases and Yenov has has not always cooperated with that process uh has been um the tribunal member has sort of raised questions about what this might say about her motives in in filing so many of these complaints and then kind of obstructing the most obvious way to get to a decision it's true that the issue of genital waxing is a, a salacious sort of topic uh but the tribunal member has has made it clear that she sees an actual substantive problem here that needs to be resolved. Many of us are familiar with the uh, ways in which people can be discriminated against based on their gender or on their race or on their age or their marital status or all of the the, the well-known co- uh, uh, grounds of discrimination in human rights law. Gender identity and expression is also a ground uh, in human rights rights law. You cannot discriminate against someone simply based on their gender identity or expression, but it's much more new, much less familiar uh, to the legal community than some of the the other ones. I was speaking to to, um, some of the legal counsel to the salons, and they said they canvassed the country looking for precedent, something that would be helpful, and they don't exist. This Mm -hmm. really is new ground. And you do have to balance, I think, that necessity to actually enact the laws as they are written uh, with the more bonkers aspect of uh, these particular facts in front of us. So what has been the basic argument against the complaints at the tribunal? What have the lawyers or the salon owners been saying to counter the argument they're being discriminatory. Simply that a woman cannot be obliged by the law of British Columbia to touch a man's scrotum uh, as 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 part of a service. Uh, these are women who have chosen to offer uh, intimate waxing services to women, and that does not include uh, what Yaniv is asking for. Is Yanov seen as an advocate for the wider trans community in this case, or are there some who feel this is this issue is solely about her, or is it a combination that this talks about a, an issue that is of interest to the trans community, but it very much is a case involving this one individual? That question was of keen interest to us in starting to report this story, and the answer is that it's an absolute mess. Many people in the trans community uh, who I've spoken to uh, have expressed great fear and concern that Jessica Yenev would be seen by the rest of the world as a representative complainant, as a typical trans woman, uh, as the sort of person whose case should stand as the test case over whether and how and even if transgender people ought to be accommodated uh, in in the service industry. Most 
trans people are not looking for a fight as she appears to be be doing and so there's great unease about her status as uh, a representative symbol of the need to accommodate trans people on the flip side there are people who have been saying all along as trans rights rose up the political agenda that this is simply a cover for pervert men who want to go into bathrooms and pester little girls that problem is made all the more acute by some some uh extremely creepy behavior that yaniv is alleged to have engaged in what are we talking about here this was known to many people who were observing her case in its early days, but didn't really explode into the mainstream until the publication ban was lifted in July. That's when several young women started to publicly identify themselves as victims of her harassment, of Yeniv's uh, improper communication mm-hmm. on the internet. One of the people who was crucial to our our reporting on this uh, and brave enough to put her name uh, to the story was a woman called Louise Nussac. Now she's 26 and lives in Paris and teaches English. But about 10 years ago, she was a an older teenager and involved in the social media fan sites of a pop group called Cimarelli. Uh, they're a family of sisters from California, and they sing covers on YouTube. They have a very wholesome image, Christian sometimes, uh, aiming at a target market of young teenage girls. So their fan base was uh, sort of 12 to 15-year-olds, in which Louise Nussack, at the time about 19 years old, was something of a senior figure, taking it upon herself to retweet and share a lot of their new songs, connect people, keep people up to date on news and so on. And she told me that she noticed something strange happening on Cimarelli's Facebook page. The replies to the fans were much more ironic and harsh, as she described it, than the more gentle image that each band member generally conveyed. She later realized that this was because their Facebook page was being run by Jonathan Yaniv. And it was through this that Yaniv engaged in many communications with the young female fans of Cimarelli on topics that ranged from uh, both fake accounts and things that you might actually think a, 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 a social media manager might, might be engaged with, but also menstruation interest in menstrual products and the use of them, advice to young girls about how to use them, where to get them. And Louise Nussack was uh, describing this uh, for me, not entirely able to prove that Yaniv was behind every one of these messages. But now looking back in hindsight, there that was the beginning of a pattern that has lately over the last year blown up uh, with with many more similar examples coming out. One of them is from a woman called Jessica Rumpel mm-hmm. in Washington State who encountered Yaniv uh, on 
uh, a message site called Ask FM where you can exchange, you can correspond anonymously. And that turned into a very twisted relationship uh, in which, as she describes it, and I should say that Yaniv actually denies this, uh, but as Rumpel describes it, uh, she was the target of sexualized, fetishistic comments uh, expressing Yaniv's sexual desire for her, uh, strange recordings propositioning her in the voice of Elmo, the Sesame Street character, uh, which Yaniv actually admits is her voice. Uh, the, but there's a cumulative effect of all of this evidence coming out, uh, all of which, almost all of which Yaniv dismisses as the work of imposters and people trying to make her look bad. But enough of it is is objectively provable to stand up the proposition that she has engaged in some very improper behavior. After hearing all this and hearing the controversy, and I mean, the fact that she was protected by a publication ban until uh, the tribunal decided that she was generating enough publicity around the case to make her name public. Despite all of that, why do you suppose Jessica Anna decided to talk with you? I think she'll talk to anybody. I think, uh, I know that when Alex Jones of Infowars called her up, uh, seeking an interview, uh, that she agreed. And, uh, anyone who knows who Alex Jones is, is going to know that this person is interested in this story primarily as a freak show. Also, I've interviewed many human rights complainants. And very often you find that what is described to the outside world as ridiculous and frivolous and vexatious is in fact a honestly felt sense of being wronged. And I, I spoke with her for well over an hour. We talked about everything. I think she actually thinks she's been aggrieved and she tells, you know, other stories, not just of salons, but about rude, rude treatment by bus drivers who are also South Asian. It, it it was my sense that she decided to take matters into her own hand by uh, gathering instances and recordings of discrimination uh, in the interest of of bringing a, a complaint. All right. Well, it is a fascinating case, and we will be watching uh, for a decision from the BC Human Rights Tribunal. Joe, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. It's been fun. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Additional production from Bryce Hall. Special thanks to my guest, Joe Breen. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>